0: Hi everyone, man here. As many of you probably already know, there was a shooting here in Canada, in Ottawa, the capital city. And the gunman killed a soldier at the Canadian War Memorial, and then made his way into the Parliament, where he was eventually killed by the authorities in the Parliament buildings. And the motives behind the shooting were considered driven by extremist Islamic influence by someone that can be described as being a lone wolf gunman. But what many of you didn't know is that on that same day, with all of the commotion, Stephen Harper, the Prime Minister of Canada, pushed through legislation that allows for more snooping into the personal lives of Canadians, with new powers proposed to CSIS, which is Canada's spy agency. I'm also putting a link to that piece of news in the description below, so you can actually have a look at it for yourselves. And according to that article, there are many people on social media that suspect that the shooting was actually a false flag operation, designed to help take away civil liberties from Canadians when it comes to freedom of speech. So why is that important to MGTOW and this idea of leaderless resistance? Well, the strength that MGTOW philosophy has is that we don't meet in public spaces and we have no hierarchy. This is amazing because we can grow our movement and government agencies are not fully aware of what we're up to. And because we're all effectively going our own way, we are hard to profile as individuals because we all have diverse backgrounds. If MGTOWs are sometimes confused about what it means to be MGTOW, then that's even more confusing to the people in power and others trying to figure out exactly what we stand for. I guess to the people in power, we represent lone wolves to some extent, because many of us refuse to marry or enter long-term relationships. And in Canada, the men's rights movement and MGTOW could technically be considered hate groups, if we simply inspire someone into taking their own behavior to a hateful place. So if I say that women have the tendency to be hypergamous, and the government deems that to inspire someone else to commit a hateful act based on my statements, then I could go to jail for a year thanks to the wonderful people over at the Canadian justice system. At least in theory that could actually happen to me. But in the United States the laws are a little bit different. And considering the fact that YouTube is in the United States, then my videos can sit on their servers and be viewed anywhere in the world. But that still doesn't prevent the Canadian government from coming after me in the future if they see me as some sort of threat. In MGTOW, there are no leaders in our philosophy and for government spies to infiltrate and influence MGTOW, it's a nearly impossible thing to do. What they would need to do is to subvert a philosophy by embedding one of their agents to become a spiritual or metaphorical figurehead in our philosophy. Barbarossa became our founding spiritual father figure when he started to take men going their own way away from simply being men that were defining themselves and what it meant to be masculine and what it meant for women to be feminine. At that point MGTOW became a passive separatist group of men that simply wanted independence from gynocentrism. We became men that wanted freedom from being controlled by women. And we wanted other men to know what we know and to make everyone else aware of the fact that men are the true victims of women in our culture and throughout history and not the other way around. Hmm. Just to make it clear to any authorities that may or may not be listening to this, MGTOWs don't advocate any type of violence and only the spread of information. We seek to spread the truth about male-female relations and how we can free ourselves from the oppression of women. If anything, I see my role in MGTOW as a propaganda or public relations role. I've been focusing on growing the numbers and attention to our leaderless movement and exposing the lies of gynocentric culture in society. Once I help expand the message, it's my hope that many of you stumble into the more subtle work of video producers such as Razorblade Candy. And in a recent video I put together called Alpha vs. Omega Men, I spoke about this idea that for most of history men have organized themselves into hierarchies and that women have then selected men to basically latch onto as providers based on both male and female pecking orders and social status within the society. When a man goes his own way, he is escaping the social pecking order. So often the response from women is to try to bring him back into the fold where he can once again be available for grading and exploitation. By escaping the social order, a man can become a loner or a lone wolf. And many Western governments are scared and paranoid about this idea of the lone wolf threat and leaderless resistance groups, and are using them as an excuse to go after civil liberties. Women in the state have no real defense for leaderless resistance, and this might turn into a witch hunt. In hierarchical forms of resistance, you can infiltrate and destroy movements from within. And the origins of leaderless resistance movements of the last 30 to 40 years have their roots in radical movements such as white supremacy or Islam. So governments may throw the baby out with the bathwater if they claim that any group that doesn't meet in person and have a club that a person can visit must somehow be up to no good. Otherwise, why wouldn't they meet in person? I've had dozens of people contact me in the last few months wanting to meet me in person. I even created a video when I first started this channel calling for MGTOWs to meet themselves in person. But since then, I've seen the leaderless movements idea, where the members actually never meet each other, as a much more powerful way to influence and shape the world. Leaderless resistance movements all over the world are booming thanks to the internet, because now individuals can fight for their cause individually without the hierarchy in place, where people have to argue with each other and jockey for attention as well as influence. With regards to feminists, most of them are still using the old 20th century world model of guerrilla and hierarchical resistance. It worked quite well for the last 50-60 to years, but most women will probably have an impossibly hard time organizing into resistance movements that have no leaders. They have to push for strength in numbers, and they have to meet face-to-face to to communicate with one another more effectively. In my experience working with women, they tend to copy and model their business models and strategies on the success that they see around them, instead of creating new ideas and ways of seeing the world. And to do this, they usually have to meet the person that they want to copy face-to-face i found that in general, they seem to have a harder time visualizing the finished product or service in their heads. So many will replicate what they see their colleagues are doing, only after seeing the work in person. Back in my college days, my feminist professors would say there was no such thing as originality, and that every idea had already been done. So if you have an original thought, you can't take credit for it. Instead, you have to link all of your work and ideas back to the people that influenced your work. That's like saying, you can't take credit for anything. This idea kind of handicapped me for many years, because I felt prey to the academic brainwashing of the feminist establishment in my late teens and early 20s. But here I am, 15 years later, revolting against the lifelong feminist indoctrination that I've been facing. Looking back on my schooling, my feminist professors would often say, you did such a great job on that project, but what inspired you? And I would say I just had a thought of my own in my own head. And then they would demand to see 10 hours of research and a presentation to explain where all of my ideas had come from. As if my ideas had been stolen from somewhere. I guess they just didn't understand how to use their imagination. With regards to war, many of the wars of the future are happening right now, but most people don't see them. And during ancient times, wars were fought on actual battlefields. And both sides would show up, set up their camps, and then agree as gentlemen to fight on a certain time and a certain place. There was basically honor in warfare. The Greek armies of Alexander the Great won their battles because he was a master of maneuvering his giant blob of troops back and forth. He found creative ways to make his forces appear larger than they actually were to the enemy. And he basically used shields and phalanx formations to crush the opposition. The Roman armies improved on his systems and wars were fought between gentlemen armies up until the First World War. Then we saw mustard gas, trench warfare and tanks as well as machine guns. Fighting dirty started to show up as well. Then in the Second World War, Hitler's armies adopted the Blitzkrieg, where they would advance into enemy territory as quickly as possible. During the Second World War, French tanks ran on aviation fuel, and when German tanks rolled across France, the Germans could simply go to the local filling station and refuel, and thus march on. The Germans used the weakness of their enemies' logistic lines to take advantage of them. By the time the Second World War had ended, guerrilla warfare was a new concept, and Nazis couldn't defeat the partisan troops in former Yugoslavia. I also find it kind of ironic that in Iraq, it took them 60 years to figure out how to use partisan warfare, such as the Yugoslavs did and the Afghan fighters did, against the Germans and the Russians. But with any war, the greatest victory is gained by not firing a single bullet, but instead by infiltrating the minds of your enemy and changing their perceptions about you, so that they actually take your side instead of the side that they're currently on. You want to make allies and friends out of your enemies. Effectively, your enemies become you. Some MRAs out there think that they're actually successful by helping spark the women against feminism movement. And to outsiders, that's what it appears to be. But in the gender war that we're facing, men are wise not to trust either men or women. Now, changing the subject a bit, Thunderfoot's Twitter account was recently deleted because some of Anita Sarkeesian's fans or followers probably complained. All feminists can seem to do at this point is try to censor thought, and they're basically on the defensive. I also believe that female feminists are latching onto gay males that have the ability to think more creatively than their female counterparts. as a sort of last-ditch effort to continue to build and expand the ideas of feminism. Female feminists are also looking to gay male activists and male feminists as their salvation. If world governments try to stop leaderless resistance movements, they will find that more difficult than they think. Policing the ideologies in people's heads can be a guessing game. How would you police an idea like men going their own way? And why would the government want to do so? If you believe the media, then you believe that the governments have more important things to do like fight Muslim terrorists and Chinese hackers. I ask everyone out there to share their thoughts on leaderless movements and what it means for MGTOW. One final thing before I finish this video. Tomorrow I'm going to do a video about Ian Kameshi. He's an extremely popular radio host here in Canada, and now a former host of CBC. I say former host because the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, which is owned by the government, the government has effectively fired him because he had some rough sex. His ex-girlfriends are accusing him of being violent and aggressive in bed. So the CBC fired him because of the allegations. Someone even asked me this question. When did the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation start dealing with rape accusations the same way the Canadian universities do? It's scary stuff and I'll be talking more about it tomorrow. Anyways, thanks for taking your daily dose of red pills.